How's it going, guys? This is the Startup Catalyst podcast brought to you by Sultan Ventures, the show where we interview entrepreneurs and investors on the stories and catalysts of their startup successes and failures. I'm your host, Luke Tucker. Today's guest is Lanai Tabura, entertainer, entrepreneur, and producer, TV show host. He does it all. In the interview, we cover a wide range of topics, and Lanai tells lots of stories. We dig deep into the various entrepreneurial activities he's enjoyed over the years, and we really chat through the highs and the lows. Some of my top lessons that I had from the episode, love the hustle. Embrace bartering as part of that hustle. When you meet someone new, seek to build a relationship, be giving, and embrace aloha. Lanai really lives that out, and it's inspiring. A few favorite parts in our conversation, uh, we talk about him getting started in radio at 17 years old, how he went then and grew himself to the top of the industry, and then kind of fell from grace, went all the way through and filed for bankruptcy, and how he's rebuilt himself and what he went through there. The story of the great food truck race, which is incredible, and the fantastic, fantastic story of Rudy, his Filipino driver. That part is near the end of the show when we talk about traveling tips and lots of other stuff. Now, this episode, guys, we kind of really take you on a journey. We go through a lot, stick around for the whole thing. I personally have listened to the recording multiple times, gotten tons of value from it. So this is one day, gang, where if you're stuck in rush hour traffic, you'll be thankful because you'll get to finish the whole episode. I have no doubt you will thoroughly enjoy my conversation with Lanai Tabura. What's up, everybody? We are here with Lanai. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking before the podcast about yeah. how awesome your voice is. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, maybe I can make some money off of this one yeah, day. Yeah, right? Do you I ever have, think about that? My mom says I should take vocal lessons because then it would kind of enhance. Maybe I could sing. I can't sing for, for nothing. No? No. Oh, you're not going to sing for it? No, not today. This is the wrong podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you, you're serious though. Your mom wants you to take voice yeah, lessons. Yeah, and I, you know what? I actually had a, a couple of guys who I were mentors of mine who did radio, and they said I should take voice lessons, huh. and my voice would get deeper. One of my uh, idols is Michael W. Perry, you know, a good friend oh, of mine, yeah. you know, from KSSK, like Perry and Price. Perry and Price, yeah. And he uh, he told me too. He said take vocal lessons, and uh, you'll get a deeper, more baritone voice. I don't think I do at all. I don't really like listening to my voice yet, and I've been doing it for. 23 years. They say you get used to it, right? Do you listen, do you listen to back to your podcast? All the time, yeah. yeah. You like listening to your voice? Not especially, no. Can you imagine what your wife goes through? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. uh, yeah it's, people say, oh, you got a good voice. And I'm like, you, you, Well, no. you're really good at speaking, public speaking. But then when you, as soon as you hit record, it sounds different yeah, you know, yeah. to me. Like I've heard, I've watched videos of people, you know, video me public speaking. I thought, oh, it's not too bad. But then you start recording, you do commercials or whatever, and you're like, ah, I don't really like it. Huh. I don't know. I'm hard on myself. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you've been used. To, you got kind of got your start in radio. Yeah, actually, everything started when I was 17. I got. You were uh, started at 17. I started really? 17. Yeah, I got a scholarship to Hawaii Pacific University to play volleyball. Hey, that's my alma mater. Right yeah, now. there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got a scholarship, and uh, it didn't it didn't pan out. They were going to start an NCAA team for volleyball. Didn't pan out. I got into radio, uh, dropped out of high, dropped out of college, and my mom was pissed because I had a full ride, and yeah. I just couldn't do it. You know, I just it wasn't my passion. School wasn't ever my thing. I was always an average student, but communication and acting was my thing, and I always knew that radio could get me to that next step. Um, 
And I, I, guess, I guess I consider myself lucky because I knew what I wanted to do at 17. I'd say that's Most kind of, people don't. That's very yeah. rare. So yeah. how did you, do you kind of remember at what point you had this epiphany? Yeah. Um, 15, 16 years old, I said I wanted to get into acting. But I knew that I couldn't do it on Lanai, you know, where I was from. And I couldn't do it on Oahu. What was a good stepping stone? Radio was a good stepping stone. And huh. I fell into radio by accident as well. But I love the idea of the theater of the mind. Like right now, people are listening going, I wonder what he looks like. I wonder hmm. where they're sitting. I wonder what they're doing. So it gave you that creativity to paint the picture, right? So at, that's what acting is, right? You're creating that, that platform or creating that picture. Like right now, we're overlooking the back of Diamond Head, the beautiful blue ocean, and the city of Honolulu and Waikiki. I just changed the whole picture for you of where we're sitting, right? So I love that aspect of radio, and it was like being in a... Uh, another world when you do radio. No one was there. You you in the microphone in the wall, and you had to paint this picture. The better you paint the picture, the better you are as a DJ. So I understood that quickly, you know. And that's what really got me catapulted, I guess, my career. Because after nine months of being a an intern or a board operator, getting paid three fifty an hour, I was like, I got to get to the next step. So yeah, within nine months, I had my own show. So it was really exciting to That's watch a pretty that fast process. clip, right? For Oh yeah. I know guys are still interns. <laughs> <laughs> They're in their forties. I was like, give it up, bruh. You're not gonna you're, you gotta find something else to do. <laughs> I love the description you had in terms of um, you know, how you have to uh, paint a picture. Yeah. Uh, with your words, right? And that's something that uh, is probably n- not easy. I'm sure it's a no, learned it's skill. No, it's not. It, and you know what? It's a sales thing. Hmm. I've understood that it's a sales thing. If I said, hey, you got to get this cell phone. It's it's cool. You can, you know, call Korea, right? If I said, man, you got to get this cell phone. It calls Korea, but it has this screen that's really big, and you can see in HD the person you're talking to in Korea. Which phone are you going to buy? You're going to buy the one I just told you, right? Yeah. It's the same thing as radio, you know? Like right now, this is the biggest show in Hawaii. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. People don't realize how big this show is here. <laughs> right? I'm, like, I'm just like, where's it going with this? I just painted another picture for you. Everyone's listening going, what? Well, n- now it's going to be the biggest because Lanai Tabura <laughs> no, no, is it, on the show. One day it will be, yes. One day Absolutely, it will be. And I'm going to be happy to say I was a part of it. Well, thank you for being here. It's uh, yeah, thanks you know, for having me. We you know, we we met actually uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, even and uh, did an event on Lanai. Yeah, feels like I've known you forever. I <laughs> know. Right? <laughs> well, we have a lot of mutual friends yeah. and and uh, I think mutual passions and interests yeah. and obviously entrepreneurship being one. Um, you know, when you started in radio, just kind of going back to that. You know, you're 17 year old kid. You get your own show before your 18th yeah. birthday, uh, I guess. And uh, how, what was the show even about? Was it like you had a spot? In the morning, or no, the evening, I, or I did actually did uh, midnight to five thirty, and oh. and it's was interesting because no one really wanted that. But at that time, you didn't have social media. Remember that there was no Facebook, mm. no Instagram. Uh, you couldn't watch a TV show on your phone. You couldn't. It was really uh, television was the biggest thing. Cable wasn't even around. No, this is nineteen eighty eight. Okay, now when I say cable wasn't around, it wasn't popular. So if you're a a uh, hotel worker, if you're a security guard, if you're somebody in that business, what do you do? What do you, you're not on your Facebook, you're not on social media, you're not watching your phone, you're listening to the radio. Everyone listened to the radio. And it was interesting at that time, 
I had seven out of every 10 teens listening to me by the time I was on 7 to Midnight. So I started from 12 to 5. Really? So teens were your listeners? Well, I was at an R&B hip-hop station. Uh, so teens were my listeners. Gotcha. But I also had a huge 25 to 35 crowd. And we, we knew this because of ratings were more accurate at the time. But anyway, I, from 12 to midnight, I mean, from midnight to 5.30, I had every hotel worker, every security guard. And what I did was I got really interactive with them. And really? people didn't do that back in the day. When I say interactive, it was just like social media. People always say that to me today. You, were, you guys were social media in the 80s and 90s, you know, because it didn't have it. So what, when I say interactive, I would call up hotels. I would call up security guards and make sure they weren't sleeping. <laughs> what did they do? <laughs> they Sounds like a public service you were doing. <laughs> totally, right? Because <laughs> owners of hotels would then call me. Managers would call me. Hey, we're at the Sheraton. We're listening to you. We're in the kitchen at the Hilton. We're listening to you. So we're you had like a line like, hey, give us a call. And then people would get yeah, on. Yeah, and then I started. But I started calling. So them. you were live for live. five and a half hours? There was no automation at the time. Really? You had to be live. Oh, wow. Yeah. But my biggest audience... Uh, the uh, night cl- nightclubs, one thirty, two o'clock, huge audience. So Who in the nightclub? The people were leaving the nightclub because they were getting in their cars. Oh, really? You got to understand too. In the in the early nineties, nightclubs in Waikiki were huge. I mean, there was a lot of nightclubs. We had spats. We had um, masquerades. We had sillies. We had Bobby McGee's. We had Tropics. We had there was there had to be fifteen nightclubs in Waikiki, all and Waikiki. they were all pumping. Yeah, wow. everybody went to Waikiki for a club. All the visitors, of course, went to Waikiki. Waikiki was a very hot spot. So anyway, I had all that audience I grew up with. And then I started doing live broadcasts from the nightclubs. We were the first ones to ever do that. So that got real popular. So, you know, I just came into radio at a really good time. A lot of luck, I think, Hmm. when everyone was listening to the radio. Well, and you're probably a youthful voice as well that I don't know if there's too many other 18-year-old DJs that were... (laughs) There was actually, there was another guy by the name of Jimmy the Geek, and we became partners on the radio. That's when he started working 7 to Midnight. And the cruiser, Alan Oda, who was three three years older than me, and we formed a team called the Three Local Boys. And we actually did these, all these parodies, and that's how we really kick-started our career. Um, We did these parodies uh, to famous songs like Rice Rice Baby to Ice Ice Baby, (laughs) Me So Hungry um, to Me So Horny. We did all these parodies, and they got a lot of airplay all over America. And that's what really kickstarted our career because it was people were like, these guys aren't just DJs, they're entertainers. Right. And I'm really proud of that because that happened between 20 years old and about 26 years old. We put out four albums. They did very well. Each album sold over 100,000. Well, I take it back. Cassettes. <laughs> we had cassettes. We're actually releasing the 25th anniversary this year before Christmas. Oh, uh, really? The best of, yeah. New material or like no, a best of? No, just the best of, oh, yeah. Right. We're talking about maybe doing one new song, but we're all old already. <laughs> we don't know what songs are hip, you know? <laughs> yeah, just ask your daughters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll yeah. be able to tell you, I'm yeah. sure, <laughs> what the latest and greatest is. Um, yeah, because radio is such a, um, you know, from, from your kind of story as well, like that, you knew that was a starting point. But you make your money and you, you grow as an entertainer yeah. in all these other mediums, right? It kind of gives you a platform. Yes, totally. And, you know, I always tell people when being an entrepreneur, I, I, I didn't know what entrepreneur was at the time, but I was already an entrepreneur. And when I say that, I had a nine to five job. I was doing radio. I was getting paid. But I always look at radio and I tell the younger guys, radio is like being Miss Universe or Miss America because you have one year to make your connections and your network. At the end of the year, guess what? You're kicked to the curb. No one knows your name anymore. You were a has-been. 
the new Miss America or the new Miss Universe gets all the spotlight, all the glory. Just in terms of radio, like you, you have a limited amount of time. Yes, people are just gonna. Oh, that's the old guy on yes. the radio now. So I always looked at I could my I could be done tomorrow. Did I did I make any connections? Did I make any network? Everybody wanted advertising at the in the nineties. Everybody wanted to advertise. Because you didn't have social media, right? So you were the mouthpiece. Hey, deliver him some food. He's going to talk about it on the radio. As soon as we talked about it on the radio, there was a line out the door because there was no social media. Hey, you got to get him the new car. We were sponsored by Mercedes. We were sponsored by Toyota. I was making really good money up until I was 35. Do, doing uh, advertising pieces Advertising. For but but I, was, I was smart enough to go and do my own deal because the, the radio station They allowed you to money. do that? Oh, yeah. Well, now uh, they have a thing called payola. You're not allowed to. Payola, and I'll explain that in a minute. But basically what we were doing was, okay, you're going to do a commercial for Toyota. You're going to read it for 60 seconds. We're going to pay you, you know, a thousand bucks. It's going to rerun a million times, and that's it. You only got paid a thousand bucks. I took it one step further. The general manager came on the show. I gave him my card. I said, I want to take you to lunch. And I learned this from my cousin, Tim Cariente, famous, famous photographer in Hollywood. He go and I go and take the guy to lunch, and he's like, "Hey, you know, that's what I want to take you to lunch because uh, I want to be your spokesperson." Spokesperson, I said, "Hey, I'm on the radio every day. I can talk about the truck every day. You only get paid for a commercial. You pay the radio station a hundred thousand dollars for one year of advertising. All I need is ten thousand dollars and a car. So I didn't pay for a car for twenty years. I never paid for a cell phone for twenty years. You know, I never paid for pretty much anything for a long time, and." People at work started catching on. Salespeople started catching on, and they started g- clamping down on me, you know. But that's entrepreneurship. That's hustling, right? I'm not yeah. doing anything illegal. I was creating more opportunity for the client, and that's pretty much how I think. And I don't think in the sense of I'm going to meet this person. What can I get out of that person? I think in the sense of I'm going to meet this person. And I'm going to create a relationship with that person. Yeah. How can I help them make money? Well, I think that's a big, big difference right yes. in terms of uh you know anybody that knows you and you you've you know proven that as well over time is you know you have a heart to give and you yeah. want to help people yeah. so i think people can kind of have that bs radar right yeah if yeah. This, is this guy like a sleazy sales yeah, yeah, yeah. or is he genuinely like yeah. you know interested so how do you kind of strike a balance between being very giving and, and being a hustler it has to be a win a more of a win for them hmm. uh, if it gets to that point now my mom you met my mom. My mom is the most giving person in the world. She helps everybody, anybody. And she always uh, had this thing about helping people. She And, and she'd pick up people from the airport and bring them home. And we ended up feeding them. I'm like, Mom, where are these people? Oh, they were waiting at the airport, you know? But we, we were always around that, s- that. That was our lifestyle. She always found the diamond in the rough. This kid was a bad kid. You know, they kicked him out of school. My mom took him in. Mom, this kid's a bad kid. No, he's not a bad kid. He made a bad decision. But he's good at this. And hmm. he's, you find all the good things, right? So I've always had that sense or that ability to find and meet people. That's a gift, you know. That's that's incredible. Uh, uh, that's your, your mo- I think <laughs> the, your mom, and after meeting your mom, is the secret yeah. to all your success. Totally, 100%. 100%. She's she, amazing. She's, uh, she's the rock. But it's, it's interesting that... When you meet people, like you said, you can filter out, you know, is he a sleazy salesman, you know. Yeah. Um, some people might th- say I'm a sleazy salesman, but I think that's jealousy and they don't know what I'm about because I've always helped people everything my whole life. You know, my girlfriend always tells me, when are you going to help- you gonna start making money for yourself? Always tells me that because I'm helping everybody else. But it's not my turn yet. 
I've come to realize that it's not my turn yet. And you know, mm. Perry and Price, uh, Price, the older one, uh, Larry Price, a genius, eight degrees. He has eight degrees. He's really? a doctor. Yes. Yes. He's, he's a doctor. And he doesn't tell anybody. He goes to Stanford, takes two classes, and he, you know, he's amazing. Anyway, he always used to tell me, he goes, because when I was between 21 and 30, when I was at my prime and my peak um, in radio, um, he always tells me, what you going to do with your money? What you going to do with your money? I was making good money, you know. I was making 150000 a year and had three cars. I had three houses, and I was stupid. I lost it all. But he always used to tell me, you're going to lose it all because it's not your time. It's not your turn. And I go, what do you mean? You always tell me it's not my time. Hmm. And he goes, you don't understand how to make money yet, number one. You don't understand how to save money. So you're going to go through all this schooling in life, and it's going to be expensive. And I always thought, why does he always tell me that? And I did. I lost everything. Six years ago, I filed for bankruptcy, lost my three homes, lost my cars. I lost everything. For a while, I was depressed, you know, and, I, and then I remember. He goes, that's not your turn. You're going to learn. So yeah. now I know not what to do. So now I'm enjoying the journey more now today being broke than I did when I was 21, 22, making $150,000 a year wow. and living in a big house and all this. It's weird, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when people tell me, hey, you know, you're just sleazy salesman or, I mean, not that I hear that, but if people th think that, I've heard it a couple times through jealous people, um, doesn't bother me, you know, because huh. I know what I do. Do you, do you <laughs> find that... Um is that something that you constantly have to when you're in the limelight or whatnot or you, you people see success and it's like that kind of crab mentality? where they're like All the time, down? 100%. That's one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur. I think that people think that you're automatically, you're rich because you can go fly all over the world. You can do all these things. Hey, I'm working. You know, I'm, I'm working. Yeah. I do enjoy life. I party hard and I play, I, I work hard. I, I enjoy both sides. I have balance now. Where before was party hard. <laughs> and the, well, the work, you know, just kind of came and came. And the, but I wasn't appreciative of the work. I wasn't appreciative and focused of what I was doing. It was more of a plaything. Now you get older, you know. I never thought I would say that. But, yeah, it, it, people think that you're making millions of dollars. You know, you got, I got four businesses going. People don't understand how hard it is to start a business. You know, people don't know that growth. People don't know that three or four years is when you, if you're lucky, you can start growing. But even that's the hardest part, right? That's when people start quitting, you know. And uh, I've been doing this for a while, you know. I've been grinding for a while. Yeah. But I just love the grind. It's like foreplay. The beginning of business, you know that feeling you get in your stomach? That, that beginning of, wow, this is a great idea. This is exciting and blah, blah, blah. I love that it's feeling. It's a drug, yeah. yeah. It is. It's a grind, though. And people think yeah. it's easy. It's not easy being an entrepreneur yeah yeah that's the i think the big lie even of the hollywoodization i guess if that's a word of yeah. you know kind of entrepreneurship and these you know um kind of just uplifting them as the you know, we always want our heroes right yeah. amazing entrepreneurs yeah. and people get you know blasted on the magazines and, and and limelight and lifestyle and all that now if you were to go back to your 25 year old self and you know it's you what advice would you give yourself oh that's a good question um probably to be more patient Patient, uh, being on uh, anything you do, a relationship, even with girls, I was always like, smooth, you know, I spend lots of money on them, you know, take them out of these. No need. Just, you know, crawl in there. You don't need to run in there. Crawl in there. With the business, too, with business, be more patient. I was always like, I got to get it now. I got to get it now. I might lose that opportunity. I might fall off the hook, like fishing, right? You got to have patience when you fish. 
I notice I have no patience for fishing. I don't like fishing. I've done a couple of fishing shows. And I'm like, gosh, when do we catch a fish? <laughs> when you watch a, ki- a fishing show, they're automatically catching fish, right? They're, yeah, you're you don't see the hours of editing. Right. <laughs> Three days of a editing. A live fishing show would yes. probably be the most boring show it on is. <laughs> I did Mike Sakamoto's Fishing Tales. And we filmed for three days. And I was like, is this what you guys do? Sit around all day? I, half the time I was sleeping. <laughs> laying on the boat, waiting for the pole to bell to ring, you know? And I think that's the best advice I could give anybody and I would give myself is patience, man. You got to have patience in this business. Things don't happen overnight. People move slow, especially in Hawaii. And I'll tell everybody, everyone moves slow in Hawaii. You got to be patient with people. And you got to nurture and you got to... You know, you got to water and you got to like a relationship. You got to give time and you got to love it and you got to have be passionate about it. All those things I wasn't before. I rushed into everything, made my money quick and it left quick. Hmm. So I now I now I can feel it like, okay, I'm going to go through this slow process. People don't understand. I'm living paycheck to paycheck right now. You don't have insurance when you're an entrepreneur. You got to pay your own insurance, right? I got two kids. I got to pay their insurance, too. It's not like, you know, I got to worry about FICA and taxes and all that kind of stuff from my or i have to let my employer worry about it now right. i gotta worry about <laughs> it right you understand what i'm saying oh uh, totally entrepreneurs being a 1099 you, guy right yeah. if you're not an entrepreneur you don't understand that feeling you know how am i gonna pay rent next month oh my, my daughter's going to college now hmm oh i gotta buy a car now for it i gotta buy two cars now you know what i mean so patience patience if I, there's the one thing i can say is, is patience hmm. and it, it's funny i, I you say that say the patience being a, a key advice, um, you know, kind of, you talk about balance as well, right? Having mm-hmm. a balance between just this, like, there's a fire and hunger in you, you know, yeah. that I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably can relate to that. It's like, it's like you're not taking no for an answer and like driving yeah. forward. And we talk about, you know, you know, just get it done, just yeah. do it. Like, you know, that whole, um, kind of, uh, aspect there's, how do you, how do you kind of approach that? Have patience as well, because you still got to, you're going to work long hours, and, you're going to work long nights. And I think that's the second tier to patience is the no's. Interesting. Oh, you know how many no's I've had in my life? I've had Tell me millions of no's. <laughs> no's, 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 no's. And you know what's funny? No's fire me up. Like, no, huh? Well, I'm going to go after your competitor and I'm going to show you how they believe in me. Do you have me. any good stories about maybe a no you received, but you're like, you Yo, went yes. around? Yes, I have many. So there's a radio station called Island 98.5. Have I've you heard, heard of that, right? Absolutely. Okay. So when I was uh, in radio, I was working for a station called Hot 93.9. It's It was Hot I-94 at the time. It's Hot 93.9 now. Hip-hop R&B station. Very big. It was the only station on the island. That's what, When I was doing 7 to Midnight, I had uh, highest ratings. Um, seven out of every ten teens. I, they moved me to afternoons, and I was killing the afternoons. I was killing it to the point where I was boring. Like, I always need something. It wasn't a challenge It anymore. wasn't a challenge. I always need challenges. And, and that might be my biggest downfall. Because pe- all my, my mentors tell me, you need to focus on one thing. But if I focus on one thing, I'm very bored. I'm not happy. I'm, I, I need chaos in my life. I just need it, and I've accepted it. So anyway... I wanted to create a new station. There was a, K- a station called KCCN FM 100. They played all Hawaiian Island music. They were the only ones, and they were killing KSSK. They were number one. KSSK was number two. Hot I-94 was number three or four, right? And Clear Channel, this huge conglom- conglomeration, comes in and buys up KSSK, I-94, and all these stations. So they have seven stations. KCCN has seven stations. There's like three big conglomerates, right? So I go in and I tell the general manager, hey, 
let's take down KCCN so KSSK can be number one. So Perry and Price can be number one. They're, they're number one in the morning, but the station wasn't number one. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? I said, let's create another format like KCCN. All I need to do is take away 10% of their listenership. KSSK goes up. Now you guys are number one. You guys been trying to get them for number one forever. Island music is the number one format in Hawaii. No, no, island music is not number one. I go, how can you say that? It's number one station. Well, there's more people that listen to this, and we just they just don't know we're here. Fight, 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 fight. Go on for two years. I do research, all my own research, do all these things. The general manager changes. And I go, okay, I got another shot. I'm going to go talk to him. Take him to lunch. We sit down, have a meeting. I go, look, bring KCC. I just need 10% KCCN. You guys will be KSSKB number one. All right, let's try it. I come up with an idea, 98.5. It was a free frequency. It was available. I come up with the color, the logo. I said, me and Augie T., Number one comedian who are going to do the morning show. We do that. We do that. I said I believe in this so much that if we go number one, you take my whole staff to Las Vegas in one year. And give me one year. That's three rating periods. The station to go the number station one. Station go number one. You take my whole staff to Las Vegas. You got to pay for everything for one week. I get to take my whole staff. I put this this staff together of people that don't want this guy. This guy looking for a job. Just minimum budget, right? But hungry. Uh, hungry workers, hungry guys. Was that, that kind of work. like your heuristic, I guess, to apply to see totally. how hungry are you? Yes. Look in their eyes. Yes. Okay, you're hired. Let's totally. Go. <laughs> right? and, and these are all local boys. I wanted to take care of the local boys. So we put them together in three books. Less than a year, we go number one. KSSK goes number two. KCCN goes number three. What the hell? That wasn't even the plan. The plan was KSSK go number one, right? So, you know, it's a brand new station. So obviously it's, it's new. So it's going to fall back down into its place. So we eventually fall into number two, KSSK is number one, KCCN is dropping rapidly. So what was the financial investment from the, the GM for, for you know, hiring the staff and things? Not like, much. Not much? Less than 100 grand, yeah, for the year. Because what I did was I put everybody on part-time. Mm. Only the morning show was full-time. And then we, we built it into, you know, if you go number one, your sales are going to go through the roof. Your sales are going to quadruple, you know. Again, now, there's no social media, yeah, so how did we people, are the social media? How did people find out about it? Was it just all like KC, KSSK or the other stations promoting Island 98.5? Was that the we did a one? little bit of that? The biggest oh. thing we did was we took all the artists that weren't getting played and we promoted them. So, what they do, they promoted us. Hmm. KCCN could only play 50% of the market. When I say that, think about one hour, you can only play 12 songs in the hour, right? Is that what it is? Because it's twelve uh, to fourteen songs in an hour. It's because average song. songs about three minutes or yeah. so. Yeah, you can only pay and you, commercials. Yeah, you so you get twenty-four minutes commercials. Right. Or twenty. Yeah. Okay, okay, so when you play, you just say twelve songs. Uh huh. You play twelve other songs. That's twenty-four songs. You got to play those twelve songs again, right? So your playlist is very small, right? So a lot of artists weren't getting played. I took all the artists that weren't getting played and their top five artists and played them, and I put all the artists on my on the air. I gave all the artists a chance to do a shift. Oh, yeah. They're going to tell everybody, right, that they're on the air. Guess what happened? The whole island was listening. That went on for about four or five years. It was a really good ride. Um, and that's what you call, going back to your question, that's what you call being creative with nothing that you, ha nothing that you got and somebody telling you no. For two years, people told me, no way, you can't take them down. They're the beast. No, no, no. That's all I heard. Doors being slammed. Well, you no had conviction for a long time, too, because it was <laughs> two years yes. of banging your head against the wall. Oh, yeah. And I, and I had the facts. I, I mean, the facts. And I had 
everything you needed to know on how we can beat them, beat them. You know, the blueprints. I had the numbers to prove it. I had everything because all I needed was 10%. Now, I wasn't trying to take them down to, to be number one. All I was trying to do was make KSSK number one. And till this day, all the people who were involved know that's how KSSK is number one today. Hmm. Well, it's kind of is about back to, you know, a little bit of you wanted to make KSSK number one. Not You're not going in saying, oh, we're going to make no. 98.5 number one. Help somebody but else, But you right? ended up being number one at least for that, that yeah. period of time. Yeah. How fun was that Vegas trip? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's cool? Half of my staff never been to Vegas. Twelve of us. Six of them never been to Vegas. Oh, before. that's awesome. Yeah. We had yeah. a blast. So they, they just somebody just posted so a picture on, too, yeah. on Facebook the other day of, you know, how they put the memories. Oh, really? It was the one year anniversary, like last month of that trip. Because um, somebody put um, Facebook just started. When did Facebook start? Because this was 1999. When did Facebook, Facebook, start uh, Facebook started around 2001 to 2003, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that was our, our I think, highlight. Yeah. 1999 to about 2005, 2006, that was our heyday. Our, you know, our, the radio station was at its best. Hmm. So anyway, lots of no's, but if you just put your head down, put the blinders on, and just believe in it, be passionate about it, that's what you're going to come out of it. I got many stories like that of yeah. no's, yeah. Huh. Hawaii Five O is another good one. Do, do tell. <laughs> I couldn't get on for six years. I went to I probably one of the one most auditions than any local guy, and the casting director even told me I think you've been on more auditions than anybody, and I was like I'm not I'm gonna keep coming. You guys are gonna get me a gig, so I was on this last season and I got a nice part. You know. Really? Yeah. Ah. But, but so is it is the show live uh, yet, or is it? Yeah, it was just it was just on uh, last month. And my wife's a fan of the show. Oh yeah, we watch it together sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was on the uh, season. I think finale. she's a fan of uh, McGarrett more than the show. Yeah. <laughs> she's gonna hate me for the saying show, that. Yeah, <laughs> the actors is what she likes. <laughs> yeah, I do love it. Actually, just the the cinematography, it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's so great yeah. for Hawaii. I think they're going in their last yeah. season, if if I heard correctly. But they're hopefully, do, they keep they're going to do two more. Two. Yeah. Yeah. They just announced one at a time to keep the hype going, to keep you on the edge, you know? Ah. You didn't hear it from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Secrets of Lanai. Yeah. Uh, I wanted actually, I, I took some notes when you, you gave a talk a couple weeks ago when you were on Lanai to uh, some, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and, and folks there. And I kind of took some notes and wanted to actually just kind of talk through some okay. of those bullet points because I thought, you know, that'd be a great kind of launching point for some of these topics. So, aloha. That was a huge theme. It's a huge yeah. theme for you in your life. Uh, you know, that, that kind of giving attitude. What does that word mean to you? And why do you kind of, um, I wouldn't say promote, but, but why do you espouse that and say this is so important? Um, I, it means so many different things, but I think the bottom line is people have forgotten about it. Everyone has it. Everyone knows it. I'm here to remind people about it. I was reminded about it when I was going through some tough times. When I, when I filed for bankruptcy, quit radio, started being an entrepreneur, it was a tough time for me. Um, and I'm going to say tough time for about three months because I kicked myself in the butt and said, hey, wake up, get stop busy. Stop being sorry for yourself. Yeah, stop feeling sorry because that's the first thing you do, right? Like, oh, man, I'm not good enough. I it's like the steps here. of grief. It is the steps of grief. It is a step, the steps of breaking up, you know, this thing you were attacked. I was in radio for 23 years. You know, they didn't give me a watch. They didn't <laughs> give me a congratulatory party. You didn't you know, get a Koa pen. Or it was anything. like, give me the keys. This is your last day. That's you need like that's a golden Koa mic or something. <laughs> that would have been cool. That's a good one. Uh, hey, who knows? One day I might be remembered for radio. But it was yeah. just a very silent exit. 
And it was sad for me because a lot of the big DJs got a huge exit. They got to do a, their last show. I wanted to do my last show. They didn't let me do my last show. They were worried about what I was going to say, that I was going to throw Clear Channel under the bus. They were worried about that. It was, it was ridiculous. Anyway. That's kind of low blow. Yeah. But it was, I think it happened for a reason. Because what it did was it slapped me in the face and go, wake up. You're a, you had a good ride. You had it too easy. And you were taking advantage of it. When I say taking advantage of it, I meant I mean that I uh, I took it for granted. I took all of that for granted. The money, the cars, you know. I was traveling all over the world, spending the money ridiculously. I didn't save any of it. And then I met this guy by the name of Pono Shim, and uh, I knew him for a while. Um, we had mutual friends, and he he told me to come up to the office one day, and he I sat in his chair, and he goes. Lanai, I don't know anything about you. I know who you are, but I don't know, you know, anything about you. Um, but I got, I have this vibe that you're the type of person that helps everybody. And I go, yeah, kind of. And I'm, I'm kind of irritated about it. And he goes, why are you irritated about it? I said, because people call me for concert tickets. People I don't haven't talked to in ten years call me for concert tickets. Ca- call me. Oh, can you hook me up and get me in to uh, the Waikiki Shell? Can you? Everybody wants something from everybody. You know, when I was in radio, everybody wanted something from me. Holding out their hand. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you do this? Record labels. Can you play my song? You know, I have to be honest with them. The song's not going to work, or it sucks. You know, and they get mad at you, right? And I would tell them, "Do you want me to be honest with you?" And the question I will say is, "Will this song sell if it had no airplay?" And they all say, "Oh yeah, it's going to sell millions, right?" So, well, you're not going to get any airplay on this song. Let's try another one. They get mad at you for being honest, right? So it was really a wake-up call for me when all of that happened. I think you go through those things because it's the wake-up call. And Pono said, people always come to you because they want something from you. And I said, yeah, and I'm tired of it. You know, it's just, it's draining. And my phone's always ringing. It's not, not for a hello or a hi. Well, how can you help me? How can you help me? So he goes, you need to embrace it. That's a special gift because people need you. And I was like, I never looked at it that way, right? So we went through this for like three hours, you know, and I didn't accept it at first. No, that's, that's just people taking advantage of it. He goes, no. And he goes, that's aloha. And then I go, you know what? That's what my mom used to say. My mom helps everybody, and she never complained mm. about it. And I said, maybe that's my calling. I need to help people. So I don't know why. I go home, and I call my friend who owns Fitted Clothing, I call my friend who owns High Life Clothing. I call my friend that owns Barefoot Clothing, Barefoot League, Aloha Army, and Information. Five of the biggest t-shirt brands in Hawaii. They all, I know all the owners. I said, can you have lunch with me at Sam Choi's? You tell them. I the tell them individually. Okay. And they go, why? And I said, I, 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 get, I want you to meet the guys from Fitted, and I want you to meet Information. And they're like, why Why would you want to, you know, I, we, they know each other, but they don't hang out to each other. And I said, I want you guys to work with each other. And they go, well, it's kind of our competition. You know, one guy tells me, it's kind of like who are, and I go, yeah, well, just come listen listen to me. I'll buy you lunch. So I get all of them. There's 10 of us, nine of nine owners. We get into Sam Choi's and it's packed. The general manager goes, Lanai, what do you need? I go, I need one table for 10 guys. Can you put us on the side? He goes, oh, man, it's like an hour wait. I said, man. To get these guys here took me three months, scheduling and everything. And he goes, you know what? I get the room in the back. We usually rent them out. But, yeah, just come. Because I always helped Sam Choi's when he opened. Had him on my show, promoted him. They brought food, helped 
comes back around Came full back. circle. And he never forgot that. He goes, bro, you always help us. I'm not going to charge you. Come in the back room. I close the doors. Close the doors. We get that private room in the back. Ten of us. First thing I go is I go, I, I respect all of you guys, and that's why we're here. So I'm going to turn off my phone because I don't want my phone to ring, and I'm not going to look at my phone for the next hour because I want to share something with you guys. And I put it in the middle of the table. Everyone pulls out their phone, turns off their phone, puts it in the middle of the table. Phone tower. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have their attention. I go, look, you guys are all suffering right now. This was uh, right before the tsunami in Japan, six months before. Uh, tourism was slow. Everyone was having a hard time making money. And I said, look, you guys are all suffering. I have a way to you guys to make money and to work together. And everyone's like, what do you mean, work together? I go, collaboration. Information, you do collaborations with G-Shock watches. Fitted, you do collaboration with uh, hats, you know, these big companies. Uh, and barefooted, you, do co you guys doing collaboration with all these national guys. How come you don't collaborate with each other? What's wrong with you guys? And they all looking at each other like, wow, yeah, it's a good idea. And I go... I'm tired of people taking Hawaii and making money off of Hawaii, and it's not even theirs. Oakley puts the Hawaiian Islands on top of their glasses, sells a million of them. They're not from Hawaii. Quicksilver comes to Hawaii, puts the Hawaiian flag on top of their shorts. They're not from Hawaii. You guys going to let them do that to you? You guys are the new designers. You going to let them do that to you? Why are you guys not collaborate with each other? You're giving them, making them Bro, all the I'm money. getting like nervous right now. Right? <laughs> I can imagine being in the room. They're probably like, right? shame, right? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and they go, you know what? Yeah, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people taking Hawaii and selling it. And one of the fitted made a shirt, Hawaii's not for sale. I go, and look, you guys promoting it, but you guys should work together. Let's put together something for Hawaii with all your logos and pitch it to the Hawaii Tourism Authority. Yeah, let's do it. So we get together. I take them to the bishop. I said, we're going to meet next month. Bishop Museum, field trip. What dates? We all go to the Bishop Museum. Oh, Lenai, what are we doing here? Come with me. I set up a private tour to go downstairs in the vaults for the curator, uh, the scientist of old Hawaiian-style prints, the real way, the tapa way. And she does a class on how Hawaiians used to make clothing and prints. And I go, the reason I brought you guys here today is so you can learn and not just put anything on your shirt. You have to put... Things on your shirt that mean something. You're not going to just put Kamehameha statue because it's going to sell. Have a meaning behind it. And the lady who, the curator, told them the same thing. You guys cannot just put stuff on the shirt and, and make money off of it. It has, has a meaning behind it. Where's the aloha behind it? The keyword was aloha, the love behind it, right? Everyone's like, wow, hits home. So we come up with this logo. We go to the Hawaii Tourism Authority. Mike McCartney at the time, the president's a good friend of mine. He helped me with my TV show 20 years ago. I c we go and we sit down in his office. He goes, I love it. Let's put this logo on top of the field at the Pro Bowl. Oh, cool. It's I, the Kalo Leaf Heart, H-I, like I love New York. Every big city has a slogan and a I love New York. California has theirs. We don't have any, right? So that's what we're trying to create. So they love it. Now the tsunami happens. We're all sitting now on the beach at Ala Moana, our, our third field trip, pounding taro. I brought everyone together to pound taro. Why are we doing this? So we can teach people how to work together. I wanted to teach them how we need to work together. Everything had a message. And mind you, none of this was thought up before I brought them together. It all kind of just happened. Just happened, Because yeah. I want to help them, right? 
I wasn't getting any money out of this. I wasn't. I wanted to bring them together and help yeah, them. So you must have doing hu- been hustling to make money at the same time. I was having a hard time at the time. Really? Yeah, I was. I was hustling. I was emceeing a lot of weddings. I was more my money maker at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and I was starting my businesses too. I was in the process of starting my businesses. So they, we start doing this. We look out in the ocean, and the, all the boats are in the ocean because the tsunami happened the day before. Oh, and yeah. I go, oh my gosh, I've never seen all the boats in the ocean. And one of the guy goes, we need to help Japan. And they go, yeah, we do. We need to show some aloha to Japan. Come up with a logo. Let's put it on the shirt. Give all the proceeds to Japan. Good idea. We leave. An hour later, I get a call from Kyle at High Life. You know the trees with the roots? That's yeah. High Life. Yeah. He calls me up. He goes, I got the logo. Texts it to me. I go, this is genius. Texts it to everybody else. He go, genius. It's, it says aloha in black letters. And the O is the red dot for the Japanese flag. You've seen it before, right? Oh, yeah. Print it Saturday night. I go, BJ from Booty Groove. I say, can you print this Saturday day? I'm going to bring it to the 6 o'clock news and the 10 o'clock news. All my friends are in the news. I go, bring the T-shirts, bring everyone a T-shirt. They go, there's these five companies that want to do a fundraiser for their for Japan. And it, remember now, we just the tsunami just happened. So Saturday, the next day, we printed the shirts. We only printed like a, a thousand shirts. Each store had two hundred, right? Go and get these shirts tomorrow. They'll be available at Fitted, High Life, blah blah blah. They needed traffic to the stores. They were hurting business wise, right? Next day, I get calls nine o'clock in the morning. Lanai, I'm one off shirts. What do you mean? There's a thousand people in line at my store, Fitted, brah. There's a thousand people in line. High Life, there's 500 people in line <laughs> at my store, Barefoot League. There's 800 people in line at my store. I go, get a, a list, take down their name, email, phone number, take down their size, tell them they'll be there on Monday. So Sunday, right, line again, 1,000 people, because I got it on the Sunday news, huh. right? Do we have time for this? I'm Absolutely. almost done. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a line down the street, everyone's all excited, blah, blah, blah. Monday, Saturday and Sunday, we're printing shirts. Everyone's in there printing and folding and delivering. That's how I met Mike Chesky. He started, we opened up a a store online. People started ordering them. Monday, we get a call from the lieutenant governor. Can you come down to the office? We want to meet all the boys with this Aloha for Japan thing. We want to adopt your logo, the slogan, and we want to be the banks to support it. Let's do it. So I go down there. Walk into the governor's office with the 10 guys, the nine guys, 10 of us walk in. Governor's aide comes out, goes, okay, I just want to let you know uh, there's uh, uh, 20 people in the boardroom, and they've all been arguing for the past hour what bank's going to put their logo on the shirt. And Jeez. I said, really? I said, okay. She said, I just want you to know, acknowledge that when you go in. I said, okay. So we walk in the room. At the end of the table, everyone's in Aloha shirts and suits. Bank of Hawaii, Inter- First Hawaiian Bank, all the heads from all the banks are there. Come in, I introduce all the boys, I hold up the shirt, and I say, before we begin this meeting, I just want you guys to know that these nine guys, these business owners, did this out of the kindness of their hearts, put their businesses on hold, and the lines are going down the street, they cannot keep up with shipping, they don't have enough employees, we cannot keep up with the printing of these shirts, and they came up with this, and they don't get one penny. Do you notice on this shirt, not one of their logos are on here. If you guys want to participate, none of your logos will go on this shirt either. And they started applauding because that's what they were arguing about. I said, everybody in favor, say aye. Everybody said, we're in favor. You know that that campaign raised almost $10 million? $10 million. $10 million. All the banks jumped on. 
They promoted the shirts. All the banks ordered T-shirts for their employees. So on one on for like three weeks, every Aloha Friday, every bank worker wore the Aloha for Japan T-shirt. They did a th- big thing downtown. The kids got a, um, the the f- the nine guys got certificates of a uh, from the governor, from the lieutenant governor, from the mayor. They d- we did all these events. I mean, almost ten million dollars. It was chaotic. It was so bad. Everyone was arguing with each other. Really? Because there wasn't enough employees. You know, we, we couldn't print enough shirts in time. If we could print more shirts, we probably would have sold more. Probably not enough T-shirt. Yeah. Like cotton ran on out. the island. Ran like out. <laughs> we ran out. We literally ran out uh, two or three times. Of we blank had to T-shirt order. blanks. Yeah. yeah. Ten million dollars. Twenty dollars a shirt. Everything went to Japan. A lot of money was raised. Wow. Yeah. So when you talk about aloha, when you talk about helping people. That was the first big thing that I think I wanted to do. I didn't get a dollar from it. I wanted to help J- not only Japan. I wanted to help these companies. These guys are like my best friends now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I ask for something, and it's not that I want anything. If I need help for something, like I go and I go to the Philippines a lot and and feed the the orphan kids. They donate clothes. No questions asked. Lenny, how many? How many clothes? How much shirts do you need? No, I don't want you to print any. I want all the mistakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> These guys are amazing guys. Um, they're all successful. They're young companies, fitted, high life, booty groove, barefoot league. You, everyone wears their t-shirts, and and I wanted to teach them that aloha is alive and well, and they need to give because it'll come back full full turn. You know, so. Do I do this because I need good karma? Of course, everyone needs good, good karma, but it's just in my blood. I love doing these things. Hmm. So that's one of the biggest things that I've done. When you talk about aloha, that's really what aloha is. Paying it forward is aloha. Nurturing, uh, caring, sharing, that's aloha to me, and I do it every day. I try to. It's hard to, to share aloha nowadays because aloha comes from you. Everyone always says, oh, what are I going to do? For aloha, how I going you know be aloha? You got to start with you, you know. When there's trash on the road, you got to go pick it up. That's aloha. No one's gonna tell you to do it, but you live here. The land is yours. You should be picking it up, you know. <laughs> yeah, helping so people. When we were on Lanai, um, we were even just talking about like every person you drive by, yeah, give the shocker, give the houses, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like we were joking around, Michael and I we were like, if you had a bad day. Yeah. Right. You still got to. <laughs> you still got to do it. Hi, you yeah. still got to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like you got to push through it. Right? right. Right. You got to, and that's the hardest part, right? Yeah. When you're having a bad day, when you're having a tough time. But I, I've done radio for so long. You could be have a flu, and your girlfriend just break up with you. You got to go on the radio and act like it's the best time of your life. Right. <laughs> you got to put acting on too. Yeah, right. It's acting too. Yeah. 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 That's I really what I'll, I hope you guys got what I meant about. You know, you you asked the question. I gave you a long story. But that's really what it. aloha is. That's what aloha is, and I've been really, um, I've been really excited about people inviting me to talk, like about customer service to their clients, about people coming to their businesses and talking. Because I don't do it traditionally. I tell stories. I love to tell stories because I think people can can con- connect more. You know, you. That's how we met. You heard my story yeah. about aloha. I shared a totally different story with Luke about Aloha when I first met him and the group. And the younger generation is so distracted by texting and Facebook. And I mean, even my daughter, sometimes I want a phone call. I'll call them. They don't answer. And I get a text. Two seconds later, you'll get to deal with this later. Yeah. You know, oh, dad, what What do you need? I go, answer the phone. I want to talk to you. 
communication is is very you know we're in the communication world now right mm-hmm. but people don't communicate you get a text and you read it wrong right <laughs> yeah you know you don't you, you can't communicate you, as much emotion right yeah you can't and i love to communicate through story because people connect through that and and i think that's aloha to yeah. me uh it's universal too yeah, yeah it, when we before television before radio we had storytellers in our family you had an uncle that storytelled your father might have storytelled there's when you got around in thanksgiving dinner somebody was always that storyteller we've forgotten about those people we need that that's called aloha it's that's sharing right that's how you pass on things remember this remember when dad did this that's what you call aloha so I try to promote that. That's my big thing right Pono's now. Pono's an incredible storyteller himself. Amazing. So you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Pono's and that's who, who I've, I've been in his he's office. He's been my I've, mentor. Yeah. 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 Did he make you cry? Uh, get emotional? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Got emotional. I don't he remember He makes if me I cry all the time. Yeah. Because he, t- he knows how to touch my nerves. He knows what I, you know. He's such a, feel. like, and even, like, so raw. Yeah. Like, just, you know, you talk about, like, him just, like, literally, like, opening yeah. himself up. And uh, he's that's just what, that's a powerful storyteller. That's part of a, uh, you know, Gandhi said you have to be the change, right? That's part of it. You have to put make yourself vulnerable. You mm-hmm. have to. I mean, we all put up our guard. You know, we're angry about this. We're we we have to give ourselves that that feeling of uh, being vulnerable to everything. You have to open up yourself. You know, you have to uh, be a kid again, almost. You know, you have to be naive again. Don't think you know everything. You got to listen more. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what I'm learning. I'm hmm. learning, too. Well, it's kind of like, you know, you're on this. Uh, once you stop learning, life kind of stops, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be a constant journey of, of iteration and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, learning. That's the, the entrepreneurial journey is such microcosms of those experiences yes. replicated over yeah. time and, and again and again. Yeah. You said some other cool things that I wanted to point out, too, with, uh, you know, you, you meant the story you mentioned, I think, primarily in that, that case was the uh, Aloha Plate, uh, yeah. the food truck story. And... Uh, one of the things you, you talked about, and you went through some really good um, kind of points that you, you drew out these takeaways, and one of those was figure things out quick. Mm. Do you remember the story about the Aloha Plate, about how you had to figure things out really quick? You want the whole story? <laughs> we <laughs> got we time. time? To, yeah, you let's do time? it. Uh, it's a great story. I, I've been actually writing the book. I've been writing the story because I pitched it to a couple of publishing companies, and they loved the story. Um, my brother, when he, w- well, you know, when you, the, the story of Aloha Plate really started with my brother. Let me just say that. Uh, it, it had nothing to do with me. My brother was 17 years old, and we were at home at Manele in our home break. He just graduated from school, and a guy was drowning. He swam out 300 yards, saved this guy from drowning. And, you know, we've always helped people. We've always helped. I, I wouldn't say help them from drowning in a sense, but if people were in trouble or, you know, it's just our nature. It was my mom's, it's my, what's my mom did is she does it every day. My mom's retired and she still is bringing in, she still does it, you know. And it was just part of our nature. So he saved this guy and he wanted to repay him. And my brother said, no, we call that aloha. That's, that's what we do, you know. He's no, I want to repay you. He said, no, no. So the next day he goes to my mom's house and he's looking for my brother. And my mom takes him in, like she always does, and said, he saved my life. She goes, I want to repay him. No, you don't, we don't need to repay him. They start talking story, and he finds out that my brother wants to go to culinary school, but we can't afford it. We grew up very poor. And uh, a couple months later, there's a check in the mail and a plane ticket to San Francisco, and the check is to pay for his culinary school. And my brother's flipping out, right? So he goes to San Francisco, and basically he wanted to my brother to be a guest, uh, at this event that he was getting an award for. guy goes up on stage, 
Mr. Proctor, and he tells everybody, first of all, I wouldn't be here today if that kid sitting at my table didn't save my life. And uh, he, <laughs> he tripped, you know, he's 17 years old, so he goes back home, he goes to culinary school, gets to culinary school, um, he has four days to graduate. All my cousins go to Oregon. He goes to a really good culinary school to go and see my brother graduate. First kid going to graduate in our family. Really? On his, cool. way, on his way home late at night, all my cousins are partying, partying in the living room. Right next to the living room window, there's the kitchen. He pulls up to the kitchen. The driveway's next to the kitchen. There's a pot on the stove on fire. My brother runs into the kitchen, grabs the pot. The pot melts. It's so hot. Burns his body. Burns his hands down to the fingernails fall off. His oh. neck. You see some scarring on all of his arms. Now he's rushed to emergency. Doesn't get to graduate because now he's, he's burnt. Doesn't have any money, doesn't have any insurance, doesn't tell anybody, doesn't tell me or my mom. For six months, my cousin takes care of him, removing the bandages, scraping off all the dead skin, uh, gelling it, you know, doing whatever so he can. Burns are so terrible. Burns, yes. You, you need psychological help when you get a... When you go to a burn center, half of it is psychological. Really? Because it's a deep, deep burn, meaning it, it gets to your soul, they say. Um, so you need physical therapy and you need mental therapy. But he never went to any of that. So he becomes a very angry person over this, over this time period. Um, and he's an amazing fighter, too. So, you know, those two don't go together. Uh, so he gets in a lot of trouble during this time. And uh, he goes back to school, and the, the teacher said, you're one of my best students. I'm gonna ha you're going to graduate. I give you your certificate. You know? So he eventually graduates. Speed up. We get a call from uh, Food Network. One of my friends, Sean, who's on the third guy on the show, says, hey, I uh, uh, put our names in this thing. I went to an audition. They said, do you have any friends that cook or you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I thought of you two, you and Adam. So if you get a call, we're going to be on this show, the Food Network. They're going to call you. I said, okay, cool. Uh, never thought anything of it. Adam is going to get tell you, you got to drive the truck because I'm not driving the truck either if we get accepted. <laughs> he said, okay, done deal. That was deal. the deal. That was the deal. We're, I mean, Adam and I are going to cook and do all everything else. You got to drive. That was the deal. A couple months goes by. This was at the same time that I met Pono. Oh, really? Yes. This is right after uh, Aloha for Japan. And a couple months goes by, and, and Pono tells me, you're, you know, your life is going to start changing when you start believing in Aloha and when you start, you know, uh, representing Aloha and just grind, just get out of it. Everything's going everything's gonna to turn around for you. So during this whole process of losing everything and becoming an entrepreneur full-time and, and this happening, I get the call. Hey, we want this to Food Network. We love your guys' story. We love you guys to be on the show. All right, we get on the show. Speed up. First stop, uh, um, Hollywood. We're in uh, Beverly Hills. We don't do so well. We're like third place. They eliminate a team. We go on to San Francisco. My brother's like, uh, by the way, if you don't know, the Food Network has a show called The Great Food Truck Race, and that's what it all was. We got it invited to do The Great, and there's three people on a team, eight trucks. It's a reality show. Over three months you film. Each week a team gets eliminated. That's the show, if you never saw it or heard of it. So we go to San Francisco. We're driving there. My brother goes, hey, last time I came to San Francisco, uh, Mr. Proctor sent me here when I saved his life for that awards ceremony thing. Oh, ah, yeah. cool. We're in San Francisco. So we call. Uh, we get into San Francisco, call some Hawaiians. All the Hawaiians show up. Um, <laughs> we kind of starting to figure out the game, so we really didn't use social media yet. Just called a couple people, but we did. It. We got oh, enough Coconut people, Wireless. Coconut Wireless, <laughs> to get to top three. 
All right, they eliminate another team. We so you gotta get top three, otherwise you're no, you you can't. You gotta get uh, you can't be the bottom three. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one gotcha. somebody at the bottom three, the least amount of sales gets eliminated. So you just want to be safe, right? Yeah. So we get up, we go to the next city, Oregon. Hey, that's my school. We're driving into Oregon. Adam goes, that's my school. Because you don't know where you're going. No, you don't know where you're going. Right from the, after yeah. the city, like after they eliminate the team, they go, all right, guys, tomorrow. You're driving to San Francisco. Ah, yeah, cool. We're going to San Francisco. You don't think anything of it. You're driving to Portland. My brother goes, hey, the last time I was here is when I graduated from school. Wow, that was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, right? Wow, that's interesting. No big deal. We're looking for a place to park in Oregon. You are not allowed to park on the street if you're a food truck. So that means you got to find somewhere to park. So... I call good, some good friends. Hey, we're in Oregon. We have this food truck. I can't tell you what it is. I need people to come and buy food. We're going to be parked here at this time this day. Oh, call my friend. He owns a club. We park at this club. Hey, by the way, uh, w- is there any ATM machines around here? Because a lot of people, you have to be cash. Need cash, yeah. Right? He goes, you need an ATM machine. My friend get an ATM machine. No worry. We show up. Same time we show up, they deliver an ATM machine. I think that was so crazy. Like truck. this whole story. Yes. With, uh, well, could let you continue telling it. I just remember hearing him like, brought their own ATM machine yeah. and plugged it in right next to the truck. Total, so total awesome. connection, coconut wireless through Hawaiian. And you know, that is aloha. When mm. you can make a connection through some Hawaiians that don't know you, but you're third party or one degree away from that person, that's what people do in Hawaii. They help. Everyone helps. You know, Little League, All-Star Game, all the Hawaiians show up to leave. They don't know any of the kids, but they're from Hawaii. So that's what we do. We support. That's aloha. Oregon, we li- we show up, 500 people waiting in line. The the Hawaiians showed up big time in Oregon. Lots of Hawaiians in Oregon. The football team showed up, you know. Um, throw, so over the course of the day, I don't know, three 4,000 people show up. Wow. We win in Oregon. All right. And they say next town, uh, Pocatello, Idaho. Where the hell is Pocatello, Idaho? <laughs> Luke is from I know. Idaho. <laughs> I know where that is. Yeah, you're from there. So... We're driving on the way there. You know, these drives are 15 hours, 16 hours. Yeah, that's a long drive. It's brutal. Brutal drives, you know. So we're on their way, and that's our time to call people, Coconut Wireless. I call Brooke Lee, Miss Universe. Hey, we're going to Pocatello. Do you know anybody? No, but there's a place in Idaho that Hawaiians got lost. They were fur traders called Hawaii, Idaho. Um, So there must be a meaning why you're going there. Get to Pocatello, Idaho. We meet this uh, family called the Wada family. They own a potato farm. Huge. One of the largest in, the, in America. They provide potatoes for Lay's chips, Frito-Lay, all this kind of stuff, right? They provide potatoes for Sam's Club and Costco, for heaven's sake. That's how big they are. Half Japanese, half Howley. The father, World War II, moves from California to start a family away from what's going on, gets to Idaho, and he finds a big piece of property and grows potatoes. I, uh, the, 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 we're filming there. The staff has lunch. I go inside of the factory and I said, hey, who owns this place? Like my curious self. I'm very inquisitive. I want to know everything. I go in there and who owns this place? The little girl goes, oh, that guy behind the desk. I go, I look in, the, in he's in a window and I go, that book a Japanese. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> that's the Wada family. And I go, oh, I didn't get it. Wada, W-A-D-A, yeah. Japanese. And I go, hey, do you mind if I talk to him if he's not busy? Oh, sure. He's a nice guy. He'll come out. So she goes and get him. And they go, hey, I'm Lanai and my brother Adam. Can we get a tour? He goes, you guys want a tour? He goes, yeah, sure. Let's take a tour. So we took a tour, about 45 minutes. I mean, we barely ate lunch. We did, took a tour where everyone was eating lunch. Now, this is what you call networking. It's what you call making relationships. This is what you call aloha, right? Finish the tour. We go. We start filming. 
We get a call. Tyler said, stop what you're doing. You're going to become a potato truck. Tyler's the host. Tyler's the host. You're going to become a potato truck. You can only serve potatoes on your your truck. So they send us back to water to the potato farm. We grew up on a potato. We grew up with sweet potatoes. It took us five minutes to pick potatoes. Everyone else took an hour. They didn't know where to look. They didn't know how to do it. They never seen potatoes in the ground before. So we get this huge advantage. We show up to our first stop. About 800 people standing in line. Where the hell do these people come from? Brooke called the Halal football team. The Wada family had all their employees come. The Wada family shows up. The older brother, Brian, shows up. He goes, which one of you is Lanai? And I said, oh, I'm Lanai. He goes, you were, my brother gave you a tour of the factory yesterday. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's your brother. He goes, yeah, me and my brother run it. My dad's semi-retired. They're all coming now. A lot of these people are employees. I go, oh, thank you so much for coming. He goes, you know what? We love Hawaii. We love everything about Hawaii. All our employees are going to support you guys. So awesome. I was like, what about the other trucks? Nah, we like Hawaiian food. <laughs> and, they go, and he goes, you know what? My brother's coming right now, but he said that he loved you guys yesterday because you guys you know, were really interested about what we did. And I go, yeah, we, we, we love potatoes. We grew up in a farm, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, my brother also said uh, you remind him of somebody he used to listen to in high school, and I, uh, in college. I said, what do you mean? He goes, he went to the University of Hawaii. And then his brother and his dad pulls up. And he goes, there he is, there he is. So the dad gets out first. He goes, Yulanai. He goes, yeah, my son used to go to University of Hawaii. He used to listen to you on the radio. I was like, oh, my gosh. So then he Crazy. comes in. He's like, oh, my gosh, here's my family. You know, he comes out, take pictures with him. Yeah. He goes, I love listening to you and Augie. And he goes, we brought all our, f- our employees here to help you guys out. So rad. And then when the dad leaves, everything in your tip can go into your till, your bottom number. His dad gives me like $200. He goes, yeah, this is for you guys. Wow. Puts in the, you know, $200 is a lot. You know, that's for a lot of plate lunch. A lot of <laughs> teams got eliminated by a dollar. So oh. 200 is a lot because that's how close these races were. So we went in Idaho. Go to next stop, South Dakota. I don't even ever never heard of South Dakota. I never been to South Dakota. Oh, I, I do remember Mount Rushmore. That's all I knew about South Dakota. Yeah. We get to South Dakota, call some people. Do you know anybody in South Dakota? I get an email or a text. No, I don't recognize the number. Uh, my, my name is so-and-so. I took karate classes from your uncle. I heard you're going to be in South Dakota. I have a karate school here. Wow. You're from Hawaii. There's people from Hawaii in South Dakota. I couldn't believe it. One of the challenges was we had to cut buffalo meat. Growing up on Lanai, we hunted. We knew how to carve buffalo meat. We knew yeah, the best deer, parts right? of the meat. Yes. Uh, yeah, so deer. We went hunting for deer, excuse me. But we had to cut buffalo meat. Same thing. You know, part of the challenge was you run in, you cut the best pieces. We won the challenge, so we went in first. We cut, my brother cut the best pieces, took three minutes, ran out, we left all the junk pieces for like everyone else. Like a surgeon, else. man. Yeah. <laughs> you watch the show, you'll see it. Dices it up. The other teams go in there, they spend, I don't know, 20 minutes. They couldn't figure out what pieces to cut. They're using a hacksaw and a chainsaw. It was funny to watch. It made good television. <laughs> we get to our spot, a thousand people are waiting in line. This lady had the whole karate school show up and all their friends show up at this thing. We killed it in South Dakota. We win. Say, okay, you guys are going to Minnesota. Minnesota? What the hell is in Minnesota? Capital of spam. That's all we know. (laughs) Minnesota is where they make spam. So we're in Minnesota and St. Paul. It's the only city that's split by the Mississippi River and has two cities. Minnesota has... Uh, St. Paul and, and uh, Minnesota, right? That's their two cities oh, in one. Uh, um, what is it? Yeah. 
Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I'm sorry. Okay. Minneapolis and St. Paul <laughs> in Minnesota. Right. Split by the Mississippi River. That's how much I know about it. <laughs> and then I know, oh, Prince is from here. So I love Prince. Oh, really? Yeah, that's oh, First that. Avenue. That's where they filmed Purple Rain. That's where he lived. Ah. That's where Paisley Park is. Okay, I know that much. I get a text. Go to this place. It's a tiki bar. They're going to support you. You can park in the park over there. We go there. Hey, about 300 Hawaiians are dancing hula waiting for us. We do amazing. We go to St. Paul the next day. We needed a place to park. Somebody texts me. Hey, call this guy. He uh, He's living there, and he knows everybody in, in, in St. Paul. So I call this guy, and he meets us for dinner. And he goes, hey, uh, I'm so-and-so, and I'll meet you guys for dinner. And I go, okay, cool. He owns a, a company or a group, look on Facebook, called Frozen Ohana. It's people who moved to Minnesota or St. Paul who are from Hawaii, and they all get together every three months to do a big barbecue. They're wow. having their barbecue this month, in fact, their summer barbecue this month, and it's like 2,500 of them get together just to be together next That's to so other cool. Hawaiians, right? So he goes, ah, no worry. Tomorrow I'll get all the Hawaiians for show up. By the way, you got to park in front of this uh, ice cream parlor. It's called the Creamery or the Creamery or something like that. And uh, here's the guy's number. And he calls me up. He goes, hey, Lanai, this is so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. I want you guys to park in front of my place. It's the main avenue. Um, my ex-girlfriend is from Hawaii, and she owns it. What? What are you talking about? All these things are coming into play again, right? So we get there, and the line is literally down the street. One of the biggest groups we have ever had playing music people dancing it's raining sideways it's 40 degrees it's oh. freezing and there's still a thousand people in line literally frozen ohana. literally <laughs> frozen ohana talk about the love we got there i cried i walked down the line thanking everybody as we were prepping and this one old lady comes up to me and she goes you know lanai i gotta thank you and i go no i gotta thank you for coming here it's cold you know and you guys she goes no 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 all these people want to thank you you know why because you guys get plenty aloha all these people would never be here be if it wasn't for you. I never knew I had this many Hawaiians live here. I've been living here for 10 years. She goes, thank you. I I get to mingle with other Hawaiians. You gave her community. Yes. How valuable is that? That was probably one of the most touching things until yeah. I get to the end of the story. So it was very emotional at that time. So we're working. We're trying to get all the tickets out because, you know, every ticket counts. Every dollar that goes in, you, if the ticket doesn't go in, it doesn't count, the money. So we still have got about 100 more people to feed. And Tyler calls and says, all right, you got to stop what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. We still got all these people been waiting for four hours, right? Stop what you're doing. You're going to become a spam truck. I was like, oh, my gosh, brilliant. So I go on. I had this megaphone. I said, hey, you know, I want to apologize. I'm so sorry. We got to stop. And I was like, oh. I go, no, no, but we're going to come back. We have to go shopping because now we're going to become a spam truck. Everybody cheers. <laughs> spam, right? So yeah. we go. We go shopping. We buy our spam. We come back. It's a challenge. We sell out our spam. One hour. Done. Everybody else couldn't even spell their sp sell their spam. We get to the trophy first place again. Right? We win. Now we're off to Chicago. All these people know everybody in Chicago. They say, when you get there, call this lady. <laughs> um, she can help you. She's part of the... Uh, uh, organization for uh hawaiians they have up in I'm chicago because i remember this part of the story yeah. this part of the story is pretty cool yeah so when we get there and i go man uh chicago is a big city it's tougher now because nowhere to park it's uh. big there's traffic it's not like a small city you can find it easier you can get to people when you show up to town everyone knows you're there it's like the circus came to town because you got eight food trucks right and this big film crew we get to chicago the lady calls me and i go Ma'am, we're going to be uh, Saturday and Sunday, and can you help us call some people to show up to the truck? We're going to sell in local food. She goes, you know what today is? I go, yeah. 
Kamehameha Day. I go, yeah, Kamehameha Day. She goes, we're going to do the celebration on Saturday because not everybody can come today. I go, really? She goes, come to the celebration, Kamehameha Day celebration. Oh, perfect. We got a place to park. People will be there, not knowing how many people will be there. We go there. She calls me Saturday in the morning. She goes, by the way, I hope you guys bring enough food because we never have any food boots. You guys going to be the food. Holy crap. We're going to be the food. That means everyone's going to come to us to eat. We get there. First of all, we get stuck in a Puerto Rican parade. <laughs> we're two hours late. I, don't, I never heard that. Part. Yeah, we were two hours late, and people are in line. Go to my face. Go to Aloha Plate Facebook, where you'll see the pictures of the line. Wraps around the building like a thousand people waiting in line. Oh my gosh! There's a band playing, dancing hula. People are so happy to see us. They never like they never seen on Hawaiian in years. Some people have lived there for a long time. People just wanted something from Hawaii. We win in Chicago. We go to Maryland. All right, this is the end of the race. We're in the finals. Uh, we get to Washington, Maryland, Washington, D.C. We're the finals. We get there, and it's Tika Tika Taco. They're a five hours lead in front of us, and they're $1,000 ahead. In Chicago, they did really well. A lot of Indians came out. They're an Indian community, a big Indian community there. So they do really well. They're ahead of us. First time ever we're behind that far. Get to, sh- get to D.C., a friend calls me up. She goes, where are you guys at now? I'm looking at your Facebook that you're traveling again, moving. You weren't allowed to say it was for the Food Network. You weren't allowed to tell anybody that it was a uh, competition. You can just tell you're opening for food. Uh, okay. She goes, where are you guys going now? I said, we're going to D.C. You know anybody? She goes, yeah. Colleen Honobusa. She's the uh, congresswoman. I go, set me up. Set me up. She goes, she knows who you are. Just call her. So I call her up. She goes, come to the office. Now, every Thursday we had a day off. Only day off. But on Thursday is when you did your homework. Where are you going to park? Where you do laundry? Make connections? Are you planning? Yeah, how you're planning all day. From I'm, I swear, as soon as you get up 6 in the morning till you go to bed. Because you got to wake up again at 6 o'clock. And they mic you up. So you didn't have a lot of sleep. So we go to Congresswoman's, uh, Congress Hanabusa's office. And uh, there's three ladies in there. And they came from Maui. And she goes, hey, we heard what you guys been doing. You guys been on the news a lot lately at home. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well... I guess they caught wind of it, and all the news were saying that you guys were in this race with a food truck, and it's been making the news. She goes, we, like, we, we don't have much to give, but we go and bag Hawaiian salt. You know, Hawaiian salt is very precious to us. Uh, uh, good luck to you guys, you know, and we put it on the truck. Hawaiian salt, red Hawaiian salt. Congressman Hanabusa said, tomorrow where you guys parking, I cannot make it, but I'm going to have the staff come, and I'm going to tell everybody in, in, in the Senate. Oh, perfect. Hanabusa cooks for everybody like once a month. All the senators and everybody food from Hawaii. She's an amazing cook. Really? Yeah, and everyone comes to her office and sometimes get Kani Kapila and, and people come and eat Hawaiian-style food. So she has this deep connection to all to these food. congressmen <laughs> and through yeah. food, right? Wow. And that's our slogan, serving aloha one plate at a time. Yeah. So we get to um, to Maryland. We do, we do good. Uh, a lot of people show up. And we have a challenge now. The challenge is you have to make a dish, but you can't go shopping. Whatever's left on your truck is all you can use. We're screwed. We sold out of everything. We had nothing left. We had to go crabbing, and you had to use the crab. We had a couple spears of broccoli that was in a bag in the refrigerator, a piece of uh, 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 carrot, and whatever was left in a mayonnaise jar. And we had three pota- uh, three corn chips. It was in a bag that was just a snack we were eating on the truck. Everything was empty. Everything was empty. And we had the Hawaiian salt. 
We had a half an hour to cook. We sat there for 10 minutes while the crab was cooking. And my brother go, and I go, what are we going to cook? He's like, I don't know. What are we going to cook? There's nothing on here. He goes, I'm going to make a crab dip. Even the producers were like making this sign, like, hurry up. They wanted us to win. All the producers loved us because we fed everybody every night. Oh, All really? The whole crew. Every night we'd feed everybody. And the other trucks weren't doing that. We fed everybody. It was just something we do. You feed everybody. You don't throw away the food. You don't waste. You feed everybody. Yeah. Even if it's going to take you another hour, you can't go to sleep. We stayed after late at night and we fed everybody. Hawaiian style. Mom taught us that. So we, he starts making his crab dish. You get the three chips and he puts Hawaiian salt right on the top. Just drizzles it on the top. They do the food challenge and the guy goes, Tyler Florence and the chef goes, you cook the dish of your life. I don't know what that little crunch was at the end, that flavor, that little salt flavor. It wasn't harsh. It was more on the sweet side. But you did it. Congratulations, Aloha Plate. You win the $500 bonus. So that brings us up even now with Tika Tika Taco. Oh, so that inclu- that's included yes. in there. Oh, okay. So we needed that win, right? Huh. So we're like even now. We, we know that. We have one more day to sell. We're all excited. We show up to this train station there's no parking and we're driving down the road we're looking for parking and there's a guy in the street with a hawaiian flag and he (laughs) blocked off a parking stall for us that's totally hawaiian style total hawaiian (laughs) style we pull up there's about 500 people hula dancers one halau just came from practice they decided to do their hula practice in front of our truck at this place and everyone's in line i could not believe it we pull up and say, we got to get this. We got to. And we see Tika Taco circling, looking for parking. They can't find a parking. Finally, they get a parking next to us about an hour later. No one's in their line, and we got a line for days. We're taking as many tickets as possible. This is the last hour. Lady comes up to me and says, are you Chef Adam? And I said, no, he's on the truck. He goes, please, we've been waiting for three hours for you guys. I have to go back to Baltimore. I just need to tell him something. I said, okay, I'll try. I said, but I got two hours left to get these tickets. So I go on the truck, and my brother's like, what? what? He's great. You know, tickets are piled up. Only him and Sean are on the truck. Yeah. It's hot. You know, we went from one extreme to the next. D.C. was hot and muggy. You know, South Dakota and all these places were 40 degrees. He's yelling and screaming. You're like, you cannot see. And I go, just 10 seconds. Just come and say hi to this lady. She's waiting for three hours. He comes out, and she totally diffuses his energy being upset. She goes, you know, I just got to tell you. I know you're busy, but I got to tell you. She had three kids with her. These kids would have never met their grandfather if you never saved their life. (sighs) All of us start crying. Everyone gets in a circle at the same time and starts singing Hawaii Aloha. What? Chicken skin. I'm going to get chicken skin telling it right now. Every time I tell this story, I get all choked up. And I could not believe it. And Adam was just like, his jaw was open and the lady was like hugging him. And so it was such an emotional day for us. You know, look, I'm getting choked up now. Um, but when you talk about aloha, full circle, that's what it is. So I always tell people, being an entrepreneur, networking is one of the most important things you can do. I save every business card that I have. I got so many business Probably half of them don't even work. You know, people <laughs> get new jobs or whatever. Yeah. I save every business card. And I always tell people, if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's important that you become a good networker. And I'm not telling you to be a good networker to go and... Uh, use people for this or use people for that. I'm telling you to become a good networker to help people. Because when you help people, it'll go full circle. 
And I see it every day, you know, especially um, with my mom, especially with her. I'll be walking on the street, and this happens at least three times a week. I'm not exaggerating. Hey, I know your mom. Oh, how you know your mom? On Oahu. How you know my Here. mom? Yeah, on Oahu. Oh, I, I stayed at her house. Uh, a construction worker. I stayed at her house. Um, movie people. I send movie people. You guys need anything? Call my mom. She's online. They film a bunch of movies online. A uh, guy came up to me. My mom, your mom, so nice. She washed all my clothes. I go, what do you mean? She washed all your clothes. Yeah, uh, you know, I was doing a movie there, and one of the truck guys, and, and she was helping, and she... Uh, one of us said, hey, Auntie Helen, you get one laundry mat? She goes, yeah, yeah, bring up my house. I'm going to wash it for you guys. She fought washing. <laughs> I mean, just crazy kind stuff, you know, Some from washing giving. clothes to picking up people at the airport because they're waiting for a taxi. What does that mean? Aloha. Helping people. Um, back in the day, that's what Hawaii was. Everyone helped everybody. We still do it today, but it's on a different level now. We need to bring it back to the level that it was. Everybody helping people. Not just because you're a stranger um, I'm not going to help you. No, that's the people you should be helping because they need your help. There's a reason why they were there and they needed your help. They're looking for help. And when it's like when teenagers are crying because they need something or they're asking you questions. There's a reason why that teenager is asking you a question. He needs help for something, right? Don't ignore it. You have to see the signs. As I'm becoming older and as I become an entrepreneur, I'm starting to see that. I don't know if it's a feeling. You yeah. know, like when people feel your chakra, people call it chakras. You have seven chakras in your body or your energy. You know, when somebody walks behind you in a room and you're by yourself, you can feel that person. You can feel it. My energy is starting to get wider and wider. I can feel that person. Oh, that person doesn't feel right. Oh, he's angry. Mm. You know that friend you have with the dark cloud over their head? Everyone has that person. Mr. Negativity, Debbie Downer. I love those people. <laughs> you know why? Because I go, my girlfriend hates it. We go to a restaurant and the waitress is in a bad mood. She's, I go, watch, I go make her laugh. She's, I go make her, I go make her smile. That's my goal is to make, and my girlfriend's always like, ah, here he goes again. But that's what I love to do, you know? Help people. That's the bottom line. If there's any advice I can give about being an entrepreneur, help other people. It's going to come back to you tenfold. Yeah. It's like the, the be patient, help people. I, you know, you mentioned some of the other ones. I'll just kind of recap. You gotta, he had to figure things out really quick yeah. on, those, on those challenges. Yeah. Um, reverse engineering stuff, you didn't like go into the specific stories, but I really love that kind yeah. of aspect because yeah. we teach and coach that in, in a lot of entrepreneurship yes. yeah. as well about take in, you know, taking something that, that works and then working backwards yes. and then trying to replicate in systems and processes. Yeah. That's super valuable. Yeah, and you know, these two big stories I just told you, think about it. I just gave you reverse engineering. I gave you mm. five guys, and there was a goal, right? I went backwards. I took the five guys, found out. I didn't give you in detail, but I, the five guys were having trouble. Their business wasn't as prosperous. All right, let's go backwards. Let's get them to work together instead of against each other. Let's break it down into one project. Let's work on the project. Let's take it one step further. Now let's help. That's reverse engineering. That's so good. And starting right? small, right? Let's starting start small. here. Yeah, and that's where the patience comes in. Hmm. Because people get up. Ah, oh, man, I tried this too. I tr I've been doing this for three months. I haven't moved anywhere. Hey, to hell with you. I've been doing this for 40 years. <laughs> I haven't moved. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of businesses that I'm not making money on. I'm gonna. You know, I have a nightclub. I haven't made a dollar yet. In fact, I'm losing money. on my. I have a food truck. I'm losing money on my future, but guess what? I love what I'm doing. It's going to make money, and it's getting better every day. You just got to be patient with it. Look at Trump. I, mean, I don't like Trump, but he filed for bankruptcy four times, I think. 
Yeah, a lot of people. I don't know his whole story, but yeah, I a lot of entrepreneurs filed for bank, and that's what really got me out of the slump. Really? Yeah, because I, you know, Pono told me, "Hey, you filed for bankruptcy? Who cares?" A lot of people have. I go, "Yeah, it's embarrassing." Now I, I don't mind telling people, you know, because it could help somebody else. It's part of your. It's story. part of my journey, yeah. yeah. And and uh, who who cares? You made a mistake. Just don't do it again. You know. Yeah. That's all you can as do. As long as you learn. Yeah. Yeah. It may sound cliche, huh. but you know. Patience, people. Patience. Well, and keep the hunger. I, I obviously, I yeah. think you know you ha- you still have this kind of the passion, drive and hunger yeah. and passion that yeah. that'll because it's going to take that to push through the dark nights. Yeah, and if you're not passionate about it, don't do it. Absolutely. Don't do it because, I mean, even if like one day you're passionate about, it, the next day you wake up, you go, ah, oh, that's not such a good idea. If it's n- if you're not passionate, don't do it. Yeah. If you're not you thinking know? about it in the shower, if you're not going to bed, keep yeah. you awake, right? Those yeah. little things that just keep running, yeah. and you got to get those out because otherwise, uh, so I. One of the examples I use is like there's a big difference between meat marinating and festering. Yeah. And the difference yeah. is time. Yes, that's a you good one. You can let one. meat marinate. Can I use that one? Absolutely. <laughs> you can take that. That's but a if good you wait one. too long, it's fester, it's no good. Yes, yes. That's a so good one. So I, I think that's something that timing. constantly, yeah. Yeah, timing is good. I, I always uh, I always think it's important, though. Passion is obvious. You can hear the passion when I talk about things is important to me. I love what you guys do because you are teaching the technical, the breaking down, the reversed, um, you know, the re- reverse engineering part of it. That's why, I, you know, that event we did, I think it was perfect. I want to do more events with you guys and what you guys did because I like, uh, I mean, I noticed that a lot of people miss the emotional part of it. I've been to a, a, a bunch of entrepreneur speakings and it's a lot of hurrah, 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 or it's a lot of real business-minded thing, yeah. you know. There's there's not a good mix, you know. And I love to give the emotional side of it by telling stories. But the biggest thing for me is I'm trying to teach people what aloha means. That's my thing, you know. And I'm an entrepreneur of aloha. I think that's, I like a, it. you know, uh, <laughs> customer. People call it customer service. You can teach customer service, you know, the basics, how to say thank you, how to write it, you know. Yeah, anybody can do that. Aloha is what you need, people. That's what you need. Awesome. Well, happy customers, you know, not just like, you know, happy, satisfied customers. Uh, some of the big uh, companies like Zappos. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. That really just Take have this ethos yes. and, and really double down on this customer happiness yes. and, and success of our customers and, and, you know, making their lives easier. Yeah. Like I listened to talk about a guy from Amazon, you know, and that's a whole Jeff Bezos thing is it's all about the customer. Yes. You helping got people. To. Helping people. And making an economic model that makes sense. Right. Helping means you can help more people. Do you notice like Expedia, mm. Kayak, all these people, you have no one to talk to, right? No, There's no one to talk. You, well, it's even worse when you go to a hotel and they're like, oh, you booked it on hotels.com. Right. I can't help can't you. Can't help you. Right. <laughs> you can't, right? What, you just no one to talk to. If they screw up your flight, you, they can't help you. Guess what? Those are all going to customer service now. They're figuring out TripAdvisor is going to blow everybody away. Why? It's all about the customer. It's all about the customer. And it's going to come back around. As much as modern technology and all these cool apps are coming out and whatever, guess what? If you're not helping the customer, they're not going to help you. They're not going to help your business. They're going to just talk trash about you. I can't use these other people anymore when I travel. There's always an issue. Really? No refund. Oh, you're not going to get your refund back for 60 days. Oh, the plane was canceled. Oh, you got to go get another plane ticket? You so know. Th- this is, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up in a second. We could talk for hours, yeah. of course, <laughs> but I, I want to be respectful of your time as well. This no. has been awesome. No, thank uh, you. Really quick travel tips from Lanai. Do you have any like top five kind of things you're like, this is must have? Or um, Yeah, that's a good one. I never really thought I got to do that one on my travel blog. You should. Um, 
be prepared. Always be prepared. Um, you know, with everything, packing, um, uh, your your itinerary. Always have an itinerary with confirmation numbers. You know, in you that always print stuff aspect. Out. Yeah, if you can print stuff up. Um, also print your passport. Uh, make sure your passport isn't uh, three hour, three months going to expire because it's not going to wor- work. If if it's three months, if you have three months left. Um, yeah, so documentary stuff, always have confirmation numbers because that's always a good thing to argue when you check in the hotel and they go, we don't have your reservation. If you have a confirmation number, guess what? you got to g- open up a room for me and you'll probably get a suite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, number two, take care of your front desk and the doorman. Man, I everywhere I go, front desk gets chocolates, coffee, macadamia nuts for me. You So you bring like bring um, yeah. gifts from Hawaii? I always ask the general, hey, can you, is the general manager working? General manager comes out. Hey, I'm from Hawaii. I just, I love your hotel. Here's some macadamia nuts, and here's some for your whole staff. Make sure that everyone gets some. You so know, you need like a whole suitcase yeah. for your. Uh, <laughs> nah, sometimes <laughs> I'll send a box, like pre-send them. I mean, oh, it could cool. be small ones too. You know, the small ones. Just give something. You know, give something. Hmm. And I and I'm not trying to bribe or anything or get anyone as an upgrade, but watch how people take care of you. Think about this now. Thousands of people come in from their long flight, angry, yelling at the front desk. I, my room's not ready. I wanted a non-smoking room. I'm always complaining and complaining. Go the opposite. Why don't you help them? Why don't you give them a break, right? I think people re- respect that and they love it. You know, so I always do that. My friends are like, "Wow, you spend like an extra fifty dollars checking in this hotel." There's even something small psychologically when you give something. Yes, of course. Uh, right? There's this we reciprocation. Omiyagi. That's why I love Japanese. I always get omiyagi, even if you don't know them. They're giving you something, so I love that. I, I tell people do that when you travel, and a lot of my friends are starting to do that. You know, um, the third thing, um, if you're going to a third world country, pack light because you can get all your clothes washed and everything for like two to b- two bucks. <laughs> and you can go shopping, right? Pack light. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, I also tell people when you mean to pack light is I also say pack enough clothes as a, for a carry-on for three days. If your luggage gets lost, you have three days so worth of clothes. you have your carry-on. Yeah. Do you have Don't any other like hygiene essentials in there? Everything, yeah. I have a yeah. full set. I always have two sets. I have one set in my suitcase and oh, one set okay. with me. always have two sets of clothes and hygiene stuff or whatever. And uh, it's, oh, many times I've needed my egg. And I don't get upset because I, I was prepared for it, yeah. right? Huh. Um, the last thing, wherever you go, hire a local. Hire a local. That's how I started our Jeep tours. We have uh, six Jeeps, and we do people around Circle Island tours and food tours. Everyone's local. And it happened because I went to a bar. Uh, I can't remember where. Maybe it was Vietnam or uh, Hong Kong. And we were looking at tours, and they were expensive. And I was sitting at a bar, and there was a guy sitting there. We had conversation. Me, I talked to everybody. Uh, and I, we had conversation. <laughs> what do you do? He goes, I'm on vacation. And I go, you from here? He goes, yeah, I'm from here. And I go, so what do you do? And he goes, I, I, I'm a, a taxi driver. That's, he was a taxi driver or something. I said, are you from born and raised? He goes, yeah, yeah. And he spoke good, he spoke good English. He was Vietnam. And I said, uh, yeah, how much do you, you make over here a day? And it made something like $7 a day. I said, I'll give you 50 bucks. Take me on a tour tomorrow. What? Don't, yeah, sir. I, he was all excited. He's like, yeah. give me his number and whatever. And me and my friend, we got the best tour of our lives. We ate the best food, local. You know what I mean? He had, he had, we paid for his gas. We bought him lunch. No one's ever done that for him. He mm. went an extra mile for us. Hey, the next four days we were there, guess who was waiting at the doorstep? We didn't have to pay him. 
We didn't have to up. pay him. Yeah, you just, just showed wanted. up. He wanted to work. You know, when I go to the Philippines, I have a driver that's been with me for eight years. Really? Yeah, eight years. His name is Rudy. I met him at the Peninsula Hotel. He was sitting in, uh, I went to up to the front desk and I said, I want a driver. How much is it? And he, they go, uh, $90 a day for the car and for him, 12 hours. That's cheap. Rental car, he drives. I don't know where I'm going. They drive and you go anywhere you want, 12 hours, right? $90. So he takes us on a on a tour. Um, he takes us on a drive, and and he's just just a driver, not for a tour or anything. <laughs> and he speaks good English. I said, Rudy, how old are you? And he's like, I'm um, 60, and I've been driving my whole life. And how long you been working here? And he said, Oh, maybe three years. You know, I'm, I drive for the hotel. I used to drive taxi, and I, but I make more money doing this because it's private. Peninsula is a high end hotel. And and I said, Rudy, the ninety dollars. How much you make? And he goes, What do you mean? I said, We paid ninety dollars for you. How much do you make? Oh, I make $20, sir. Oh, $20. How much of these do you do? Oh, maybe twice a week. Because the rest of the time, he's just doing shuttle for the uh, hotel. Okay. Oh, maybe twice a week. So you're going to make 40 bucks a week, right? This guy lives a very humble life. Six people in a one-bedroom house. His rent is $300 a month. So I said, uh, Rudy, what are you doing tomorrow? On oh, my day off, sir. I said, Rudy, I give you $60. Take me driving tomorrow. Oh, what time, sir? What time? Uh, anytime, yeah, tomorrow, $60, right? He only makes 20 Yeah. I said, I'll give you 60 I don't need the hotel anymore, right? I no. save myself money. $60, sir. Okay. Pick you up. Yeah, he's there the next day. Takes me all over. Rudy, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, Nothing, sir. Two days off, Saturday and Sunday. Come tomorrow. I'll give you $60. Really? Excited. I paid half of his rent in two days. Wow. Right? 150 bucks. And you got a great I got the experience. better deal, right? Yeah. I got the big experience. <laughs> hey. Eight years I've been using him. I go to the Philippines three times a year for work. Uh, this year I already went three times. I'm going again next month to film a, uh, a new show for Food Network Asia. So I go and I and uh, about the third year I bring some friends to the Philippines for my travel club. And I go, Rudy, can you get a bigger car? And he goes, What do you mean? <laughs> like a van? Because I got 12 people. He goes, Sir, I can get two vans for you, sixty dollars a day, 12 hours. I go, Really? Go get it. So I charge everybody five bucks, right? Everybody pitches in. My friend goes, hey, how much you pay for these vans? Very wealthy guys from the Honolulu Country Club. I said, how, what do you mean? He goes, how much did you pay for the vans? I said, well, we split it up. And he goes, how many days we got the van? We're here for six days. We go, I got it for three days, you know, because we're golfing. He goes, hey, who's this guy, Rudy? You trust him? I go, yeah, I've been using him for three years now. He goes, you mind if I talk to him? I said, no, no problem. So he goes, we take him out. We use the van. We're driving around. He goes, Rudy. You still work for the peninsula? He goes, part-time now, sir. I said, oh, uh, no, full-time now, and I do this part-time now. Um, and, he, and he goes, if, how much to buy you a car? He goes, what do you mean, buy you a car? I want to buy you a car because we always come to the Philippines. He does business in the Philippines. Will you be my driver? And he goes, sir, I quit my job if you buy me a car. Huh. He quit his job. We have two cars now in the Philippines. My friend buys the car. All my business and all my friends hires Rudy to be his driver. Changed his life. Changed his life completely. He About two years ago, <laughs> he, I, he picks me up at the airport. He goes, you know, Mr. Lana, he calls me Mr. Lana, I have to thank you. And he's crying. And uh, I go, why? He goes, me and my wife and my kids and my family, he has four kids and two of his kids live with him and they have his grandkids. He's 60 years old. He has grandkids. There's like eight of them live with him now. We get to move to a bigger house because of you. I quit my job. I'm 65 year, uh, 68 years old now. I can't do this forever. 
So all your friends support me. And all my friends are wealthy, guys. So, like, I had a friend uh, two weeks ago use him. Never been to the film. I go, you use my guy, hire Rudy. Uh, very well. He owns a construction company. and went there to build uh, a cemetery. And he calls me up. He goes, hey, how much should I tip Rudy? I go, how many days you use him? He goes, five days, 60 bucks a day. Um, so what was that? 420 bucks or whatever, right? 240. Two, yeah, 240 bucks. Oh, Okay. Perfect. I, I gave him a good tip. Then I go, how much you give me? I gave him a thousand dollars. I go, what? That's too much money. <laughs> Ru- I call up Rudy. I go, Rudy, my friend, take care of you. He goes, oh my god, oh my god, I never make that kind of tip before. I never. Ma- and me, I always give him like two hundred bucks when I leave. You know, because Lanai, I never make that kind of tip before. Your friend tipped me seven hundred dollars or something, and he bring me to eat every day. Seven hundred dollars is three months rent. You know what I mean? So anyway, two months rent. Um, that's what you talk that's about so giving, cool. you know, you talk yeah. about, uh, there was another story right there, but anyway, I went off the question again. <laughs> that's my biggest tip. Go find a local find a local, and go take care of them too. While you're at Absolutely. it, you never know what's going to happen. You know? Well, and I will, we'll kind of wrap up on that. No, really appreciate your Thanks. amazing story. Take up too much time. No, you know, I think even we can do a, um, we can do a two part series yeah. or something. Uh, is or anybody still listening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hit me up on Instagram, <laughs> Lanai or Facebook, Lanai. L-A-N-I-A. Yeah. So where's, where's yeah. the best place for people to find Facebook, you? Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm always on those two. It's got an awesome cooking show. Yeah. Cooking we didn't even talk Hawaiian about cooking style. today. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll do have that to come you back, bring you uh, back at my house. We'll cook. Yeah. And, what, a house. Um, what a view you got here. This is beautiful. I think you're going to have to turn this into a video podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, this is beautiful. <laughs> you guys, I wish you could see. We can see the back of Diamond Head and uh, Waikiki. And it's then, a beautiful day. Yeah, amazing day. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, And you're nine. doing good things, too. I appreciate I, it, too. I told, I told Luke I love how he speaks. If you guys ever get a chance to check out one of his... <laughs> uh, one of his uh, classes, or w- what are we calling these? Uh, boot camps or yeah, workshops. Boot camps or, or workshops. Anything. He's a great speaker, and uh, you break things down very well so people understand. You have good examples and all. I love listening to good speakers because I cringe sometimes when you go listen to somebody and they can't speak, you know? That's the thing. Every, everybody wants the people out there to do well. Yeah, Nobody you wants do. To You're hear cheering a, for them. Yeah, right? yeah. You, and, you know, you can feel you feel uncomfortable for them <laughs> if they're not. Yeah. But you do a good job, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah, you. good job. Well, really appreciate you taking the time uh, with me today and really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to, uh, to uh, hanging out again sometime soon. Enjoy soon, your let's travels. Do it. Thank you, brother. All right. Aloha. Aloha. What a fun time hanging out with Lanai. Please share this episode, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We'd be eternally grateful. This is the Startup Catalyst podcast brought to you by Sultan Ventures. I'm your host, Luke Tucker, signing off. But tune in next Thursday for our episode where we have a chat with Jared Marquette and Tarek Sultan on building startup ecosystems. Aloha. Aloha.